to another edition of our unique NUFC podcast. In a week where the two were the real villains at Villa Park, it now makes this weekend's Champions League showdown with Spurs even more crucial. Welcome to Black and White with Arab News. Today's special guest from the opposition made over 200 appearances for Spurs, winning the UEFA Cup and two FA Cups. It's the superb Paul Miller. Before we say hi, though, to our Spurs legend, it's a warm welcome back to our Arab News sports editor, Ali Khaled. Ali, a weekend to forget and a wake-up call? Uh, yes. Um, we were looking at that run of away games from Newcastle and obviously they won the first two out of those good wins at West Ham and particularly at Brentford. Uh, but we always thought that the Villa game would be the toughest of the lot. Now, you could think, you know, six points out of nine away ga- uh, nine points from three away games is not a bad return, you know. But, um, you know, at the same time, Newcastle got themselves into such a good run of form, such a great position that you can't help but feel dis- a little bit disappointed. I think a draw might have been a good result. You would have had seven out of three. Also, on the back of five straight wins. So, I don't think it's you know, it should be, you know, panic stations by any stretch. But it was a disappointing performance. And also, if you remember right from the from the start, uh, from, from the kickoff, Villa had a very early chance. Ollie Watkins, I think, hit the post. Kind of set the tone for, uh, for the match, you know, and um, uh, some great saves. Um, but I, th- I thought, uh, yeah, I mean, Villa were definitely the better team on, on the day. And it really performed as we suspected. We were saying last week that they, they're a very dynamic team. Emery's got them playing, you know, quite solid, but they break very quickly. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty, uh, some fast players up front. So, um, yeah, disappointing for Newcastle, but, uh, you know, not, not the end of the world. Ali, as well as you, we also caught up with our man on the ground in the northeast, sports journalist Liam Kennedy, post Villa. Here are his thoughts. The result of Villa Park was a massively disappointing, not only result, but performance from Eddie Howe's side. And I think it's one that they are very, very keen um, to put behind them. It has taken probably, well, it's taken 30 games for the rest of the Premier League to realise um, one of Newcastle United's Achilles heels uh, in this side, and that is a real <clears throat> lack of pace in the back line. You've got uh, Kieran Trippier, Dan Byrne, uh, Sven Botman and Fabian Scher, who were opened up effectively by the, the running in behind and the, the clever interplay uh, by the likes of Ollie Watkins, um, Ramsey, Bundia uh, and others in that Aston Villa team who Unai Emery did a real good job on negating Newcastle's strengths and, and making them look like a side, not one who were the form team of the Premier League, but one who looked like they were struggling. And there is no other team in the Premier League have done that in Newcastle United. And what the hope has to be is that we not only go back um, to the start of the season, we go back 12 months really, that that is an outlier in terms of performance. There, there hasn't been anything as negative. And I think coming into this weekend, Newcastle couldn't hope for a better opponent in many ways than Tottenham Hotspur. They're playing a team that if they beat, they streak ahead of in terms of points. I think if Newcastle do win on Sunday, I think you can almost... Well, the, the passports can definitely be dusted off now because I think it's it's a long way back to, to Liverpool who would have to have an incredible season in Newcastle, an incredible drop-off for uh, the Magpies to drop out of the top eight, uh, seven in the Premier League. But I think if they beat Tottenham, who then play Manchester United on 
Thursday. This isn't just a defining week for Newcastle United, it's really defining for, for Tottenham Hotspur, who I, I see as um, the Magpies' main rivals to finish in the top four. It's been two long decades since uh, we've heard those uh, Champions League uh, tunes at St James's Park. And I do really still, despite last week's disappointment, get the sense that we will hear them again next season. Now, I'm, I'm possibly being a bit glass half full, but I do think of the eight remaining games that Newcastle United have, I think they probably have to win four to guarantee Champions League football. And I see the home games that they have, of which they've got five remaining. If they can win four of those home games, I think I think a top four spot will be theirs. And that's the positive you can take from all of this, is that it's, it's very much in Newcastle United's hands. Still in Newcastle United's hands, the thoughts of Liam Kennedy there, our man on the ground in the tune. As he says, we go again. Possibly the manner of the defeat as well, because it, I think 3-0 flattered, flattered Newcastle on another day. It could have been 5 or 6. They looked leggy, to yeah, say the they, least. Yes, yeah, they, they did. And I think, um, again, I mean, I, I put it in context of uh, third of uh, away games and on the back of five wins. You know, you, you sometimes expect maybe a drop-off in performance. You know, they might get a little bit tired at this stage of the season, all that. It, it, but it, it was a disappointing performance. I think one of the things that we've, we've gotten used to in Newcastle is that, you know, they're quite solid at the back. They don't concede much, you know, and always gives uh, their attackers a chance to get a couple and, you know, get a draw or a win. Because uh, throughout the season, they've been pretty solid at the back. I mean, I think... I'm not sure they've conceded three goals uh, uh, this year, how many times they've conceded three goals. So in that sense, it was a little bit worrying. Do you think that this is now can signal the start of some changes to the first team, the first 11? And when I say changes, I'm looking predominantly at the back. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Eddie, Eddie Howe, he has been changing the team. You know, he's been, I mean... Uh, a while back, we are we were we were all thinking Callum Wilson looks a little bit uh, tired, and you know he was taken out of the firing line, and Isaac started, and it's worked out great for both. You know, both have been on form. You know, uh, so at the back, I know we've mentioned this many many times about uh, Dan Byrne probably being uh, the weak link. I mean, we kind of it's, it's a bit unfair because he's he's played well, but like uh, maybe uh, slight changes at the back. So I, I think he's he's been quite consistent with with his team choices at the back uh, while doing a, f- a few rotations up front. Yeah, I, I I don't think I don't think it's fair to say Eddie Howe hasn't been changing them. That the team is tired. I think possibly just one or two positions, as you mentioned, at the back. I mean, who would you suggest? Well, I'll see. Uh, Matt Target's been quite vocal in the yeah. press this week. He's featured in quite a few interviews uh, in the local press, so I can see that as possibly a clue yeah. that Matt Target, and he's been introduced in the last, last couple of games, um, and I don't think it's a case of Dan Byrne being dropped for lack of form. I think it's yeah. possibly more of a, of a rest, and it's come at a good time. Um, yeah, again, abs, abs. The, the, the other the other The other angle is this, is that I thought Sven Botman was, was led a merry dance by Ollie Watkins, uh, and again, let's not forget how many games Sven Botman has played yeah. as a young centre half in a new in a new league. You know, uh, Jamal Lascelles, the last time he played, kept uh, uh, one Erling Haaland quiet. So there's a there's a 
there's a there's a possibility in that. I can't see him making wholesale changes to the back four, but I would say Ali looking at the weekend, possibly he'd go with uh, with with traditional fullbacks, and Matt Target would would come into that equation. Look, it, it's such a huge game, Ali, this weekend. It's a massive game now, given both sets of teams and their results. Yeah. Is it winner takes all in your eyes as as far as Champions League berths go? Mm, I. I don't know. I mean, obviously, because they're so close together and going for that Champions League place, you know, there's a, you know, there's a tendency to think of it that way. I, I don't think so for a couple of reasons. I think um, it, it, Tottenham have been very, very inconsistent. You know, I mean, their, 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 last, their last match out was against Bournemouth uh, at home and they lost uh, um, very late on uh, in a match I think we were all expecting them to win. Uh, which was, I think is a bonus for Newcastle following the Villa the Villa yeah. defeat. You know, uh, really was uh, a very positive result for Newcastle that one. Um, and I feel like obviously uh, are so close to Newcastle in terms of points. But in, in if I if you, if you look back over maybe the last you know uh, four weeks, four to five weeks, Newcastle's form has been a lot better and a lot more consistent. You know, if you take out obviously the, the Villa result, so uh, you can see that. Obviously, Newcastle don't want another another defeat because then, like, it'll be two on the trot, and obviously the the, the gap uh, uh, in points will, will close. So, I'd hesitate to say it's a winner take all, only because there's I think there's going to be quite a few uh, twists and turns in the in the in the last six or seven matches. Um, uh, but I, I mean, yeah, I, I just keep thinking but a, win, a win would be significant for Newcastle. Because, oh, I, I think because of I that think three point. I and think a win gap and, and, a, and a game in hand. I, yeah, I think if if Newcastle win, yeah. that really could that could really like sort of push them toward like really give them a lot of momentum. Just thinking more if Tottenham win, you know, it it would uh, they'd be you know it'll it'll be like maybe a bit fifty fifty. But I still go back to the fact that Tottenham have have been really quite inconsistent, you know, uh, uh, with their results. So. I don't know. I mean, like uh, you, you would you think a draw for Newcastle wouldn't be wouldn't be a bad result either. You know, while you know, if if I go back to your original question, is it you know sort of really winner takes all? Probably Tottenham are more desperate for the win than Newcastle are. Speaking of Tottenham, we caught up with Mister Spurs himself this week, Paul Miller. Uh, here's his take on the big game ahead. It is time to meet today's legendary guest, the opposition's point of view, proven really popular on the podcast now, so that we're not just got black and white spectacles on. Uh, <laughs> it's a big welcome to Paul Paul Miller. How are you? I'm very well, Peter. Yeah, very good. Good stuff. Listen, we've got a massive game in store now due to our two teams' last weekend's performances. It makes it even bigger. But before we get into, into Sunday's game, just wanted to get a take of the opposition's view uh, Paul, what's your take on, on Newcastle United's season this season? I think they've done very well. Um, I think the manager and the coach have done a great job. Uh, they just made, Remember, they didn't spend a lot of money. They've got it. I mean, they're the richest club in the world now, without a doubt. Um, but they haven't spent big time and they've bought some good additions. And I'm, I'm actually quite surprised they're so high up. But it shows the, the lack of quality with Liverpool, Man United and Spurs this year. You know, haven't, haven't written, sorry, and Chelsea, of course, which is a... Which is a catastrophe, yeah. So they've, they've they've jumped in when they could, and they've done very well, and deservedly are where they should be. Um, your beloved Lily White, uh, I mean, trophy laden when you were there. We were just going through 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 your through your 
golden career. I mean, you, you know, you, you lift the two FA Cups, you you UEFA, I mean, fantastic. Looking at Spurs this season as as a, as a Spurs as a Spurs stalwart, I mean it's it's hard to it's hard to put your finger on from the outside. Paul, uh, you look at Spurs; they're still in the mix, Harry scoring, breaking records, but there's still that little bit of unhappiness at, at, down the old lane. And, and what's going on at Spurs this season? Well, we we uh, obviously had a problem with Conte, who had one way of playing and one way only. And um, by the way, if you look at Conte's record, he always does very well on short term. He's done well at Chelsea, like a number of clubs, only short term. And Glenn Hoddle, my closest friend, told me he never lasts more than 18 months anywhere. So he runs the stocks off them. He runs and runs them all day. And after 18, 15 months, they go, we can't do this anymore. And that's been proven again at Spurs. We've had a couple of injuries to key players, which doesn't help. Um, but at the moment, we've got no leadership on the pitch or off it, really. Now, and I, mean, I don't know how we kept the coach involved. I mean, I've got to be honest. I mean, Ryan Mason's a good lad. And why not, if you're going to want to go and go back and keep it in-house, in, in let him and, uh, and Chris Chris Powell, who takes down to 21s, who's managed Charlton before, let them let those two run it to the end of the season. Why you keep the Italian on, I don't know, because at the end of the season, he's going to go wherever Conte goes and join him. Yeah. And it's the same ta- same formations, So, and which has been boring to Spurs fans. Spurs fans are like Newcastle, to be fair, I think, would rather lose 4-3 than, or win 4-3 than win 1-0. Right, that's how it's always been. That's what makes our two clubs glamorous, and and people still support. We've got more support now than ever, haven't we? Both teams. So it's really been disappointing. Um, we don't know what team's going to turn up tomorrow. Uh, I was at a charity golf day yesterday with a number of my ex colleagues, all from my era, uh, about twelve of us, which will never happen again, by the way, in 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 football. And the the, the estimates of what, how many points we're going to get the next three games went from zero Aussie Ardiles to four points Mickey Hazard. Uh, I think we get one or two. So there, that's and we, we've all got an opinion, by the way, a proper opinion. Uh, uh, rightly so, having played it. I mean, the names there you've just mentioned. You talk about, you know, you were saying you're on a golf and legends day. People use that term a lot these days. But when when you look at it, they are they are legendary names, and and especially Ozzy uh, Ardiles as well, who, who who had a spell at Newcastle and and gave Lee Clark and Steve Watson the likes of those lads. They're they're in and uh, to the game. Um, looking at the game, then we sort of always ask our guest, where do you think it'll be won and lost on Sunday? Well, normally at the back. Um, and we're crap at the back at the moment, yeah? Uh, we can't stop goals going in. Um, I think Hugo's done well, but I think he's finishing now. Mm. I think he's done. I think the France World Cup done him, and I think he's going to have enough soon. He'll probably go to the Middle East like the rest of them have a, have a well-paid holiday, yeah? Last couple of years of your, your career. But uh, we need, you know... We've got five out on loan and they're going to come back into the season and we'd have to pay all of them to go because they're, they're all, all going to get less money if they go somewhere else and probably go abroad and they get less money. So that's five we've got to sort out. We need another, we've get, we got rid of another five at least at our club who ain't good enough, who have been there too long, whatever. And everyone, everyone knows who they are as well. So that's 10 players we've got to get out. And then we need six or seven to come in. So we've got to spend about 250 million, by the way, in my opinion, yeah. which... Yeah. Right, and yet we've got we're richer than we've ever been because we've got all these other events as well. You know, go karting, boxing, NFL, pop concerts, rugby. You know, I mean, it's a multi-use stadium. It's fantastic, and what we've done for the local community is marvelous. You know, we employ thousands of people every week, and um, it's 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 uh, sorry, locals all who live within one mile. Yeah, right. We five thousand people every home game, and and ninety five percent of them live within one mile, which is wonderful. Yeah, because Tottenham's not a uh, the area. I don't know if you know that in London. 
It's one of the poor areas and, and whatever. So fantastic what we've done there. But the football team has suffered and it needs a real, you know, fill up. You know, it needs something. And we need, we need, well, we need a creative midfield player for start. We need another, def- another two defenders. We need uh, a wide, another wide player. You know, we need, it's not a secret what we need. You know, if you're going to play wing back, I don't know these systems, by the way. It makes me laugh with these systems, five at the back, whatever. System to system. You've got to be able to change it. What's wrong with 4 4 2? You know, most clubs, all the most success has been 4 4 2. I don't think it's any different today. You know, most teams only play one up front. Why have you got five defenders? Yeah. Or two wings, all of them now, whatever, yeah? But why have you got three marking one? Uh, I, like, I like what um, um, the Arsenal do when they push the fella in. To play in midfield, like the, especially the Ukrainian, yeah, he pushes into midfield. Um, and so Man City have done with John Stones. They got one up, they got a bit of the back. Go on, John, go and play in there because he's, he's a decent footballer. That's a clever way, by the way, because you, you then get equal numbers, right? I mean, with some of the games we've had, I mean, you know, when we've, I mean, you know, we've gone down, we've, you know, we've gone down to 10 men and you take, we're losing the, in, the, in the Champions League. You bring it, you bring it the forward eight off and take, put centre half on with 10 minutes to go. I mean, it's suicide. I mean, at the end, is a nice chap, but he wanted to leave. And he did. The, he made the right decisions to leave by that game and what he said after the um, uh, the game at Southampton. So he, he timed it well because it was the international break and he knew, you know, he only had three months to go on his contract. So off he went and he's probably going to get an Italian job come June, yeah? Uh, and good luck to him. So what do we do? What do you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you go about Sunday then? Do you, do you, do you, do you, will he set up a different way? I mean, does, is there a... Is there a system do you think that's in place? I don't think so. I think we say play the same way with two wing backs, the three centre halves, uh, two in midfield, you know, the, the three in front. I don't think we play any differently because I don't think this guy's got it in him and he's the one who's making decisions, yeah? As I say, I would have changed it. I'd have bought, I'd have bought, maybe Ryan, keep Ryan there and play and bring Chris Powell up from the under 21s, who's been at the club quite a while now. Or, or why not bring Glenn Lozzie back with yeah. a young Ryan Mason? Certainly appease the crowd, yeah? So, I mean, you know, Daniel can't like this singing, we won't leave you out. Where's that club gone? He won't, Daniel won't be liking hearing 50,000 people sing that, which they were last week, yeah? I'm pretty sure next week it's Man United. We go a goal down, they'll hear it even louder because it's Man United, yeah? And not Bournemouth. So, how do we change it? We've got to wait till the end of the season and see what happens on the transfer market. We certainly need a massive turnaround, massive ch- turnover. Okay. Um, look, we got... Newcastle themselves weren't great last time out against Villa. They they actually got battered by playing. Villa played the way Newcastle are playing this season. They they were at it and Newcastle was second best in every department. So you can imagine that they, it will give Eddie Howe the opportunity to change it because they looked leggy at the back, Paul, I have to say. So when you say Spurs, I, I'll, I'll say to you, Newcastle didn't look. And they won't look forward to, to, to facing Harry Kane as well. Uh, I think the middle of the park as well is, is, is going to be uh, you know, is is going to be is going to be key for for a Newcastle fan. Now, who who should we watch out from the current crop of Spurs uh, players this weekend? Who could have a major impact on that game? Well, obviously Harry and Sonny. <laughs> I mean, they're uh, arguably their uh, two best players. Sonny's had a, a rough time since he, he broke his uh, cheekbone mm-hmm. before the World Cup. Never been the same since. Well, the last couple of games he's looked brighter. To be fair, looked sharper. Yeah, but this gave him a big blow. I know that a lack of confidence. Yeah. Uh, we've got Richarlison, who looks good every time he comes on to me. He's aggressive, wants to win. Typical Brazilian, yeah? They're all like that. You've got, you got a great one at your place. Yeah. Um, 
all I'm saying is that uh, it depends how they are. But now, I remember, the, I'm talking about those three. They need the ball. Unfortunately, the best player in our team, the best creative player in our team is Harry Kane. But he can't hit a 40-yard pass to himself. To himself. Yeah. So, all I'm saying, you know, for us, it's, it's, uh, it's frustrating. Um, and should we look out for, I mean, we've got young Skipper probably play alongside Hoiberg. They're two, of the, they're two very much similar players. Pass, pass, pass. Don't really open up. They're a bit like your one of the brothers who you've got, yeah. Um, stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're both similar to him, in my opinion. I mean, it's probably quite a negative midfield if you look at it some ways Sunday, yeah. Um, but the forwards are going to have a big say, and as you say, defenders will. I certainly don't think it's a nil-nil. No. If you're going to have a bet, you're definitely going to bet more than three goals, yeah. Uh, I can't, I can't see it being any other way. I just hope it's. It's our result, but I'm, I'm not confident at all. And that's, that's not like me, Peter. You know, I'm no, normally super, always buzzing. We were, we were looking like... forward to you because I, I said to all the guys in our news team, when Paul Miller's on here, it'll be Spurs. And, and it's, it's, it's a sign, Paul, of, of how of, of Spurs' season, shall we say, to see you sort of being unsure. I've never seen you unsure before, um, which, which leads me nicely into because. As the guest, you can't get away with it. Every guest has to do it. Uh, we did it. We did it a couple of weeks ago with Danny Simpson for Man United, and he was, he, he said to me, "Oh, you can't believe you put me on the spot." But we we do want a prediction uh, for the score from you. Uh, I think we get beat two one. Wow, that's that's a massive statement coming from Paul Miller, who is it, it, who is, is Lily and White. I'm, I'm being realistic. I'm, I'm looking at the form. Uh, I'm looking at our players out there at the moment. Uh, the atmosphere I can hear and see myself. Um, certainly the fans. I mean, I get, I get, you know, I get the WhatsApp messages, uh, same as everybody else. Yeah, I've got dozens of fans who pay a lot of money, pay the most money in the world, by the way, to watch football. Nowhere's more, nowhere's cheaper than Spurs to watch gut football. Right? Remember that most expensive stuff in the world. And these guys pay their, you know, their hard-earned money. They've been fans since they were kids, and you know, and they're moaning big time. And and then the, the club have put the prices up. Which is unbelievable. Because my mates are saying, well, we've got no Champions League football next year, looks like. And look, we don't want to play in that poxy nationwide, nation uh, European thing. We'd rather not be in it. Why are you putting the price up? Well, we, and also, you know, it's not about not enough legends there and all the other stuff. So the, 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 the fans are moaning. And that's everyone, by the way. That's not just that season tickets as well as the corporates, yeah? And uh, so we've got to do something, and it's a massive summer for our football club. A massive it summer. It's a it's a massive couple of weeks as well. But football's funny, Paul. You never know. A decent result against Newcastle. A decent result against Manchester United. The garden could look a lot rosier. Um, it it's it's close. It's it's what Newcastle fans dream of going into the back end of the season, not having to worry about relegation. They're in the right area as far as their fans are concerned. And going head-to-head with Tottenham Hotspur, with Manchester United, with Liverpool is is fantastic for Toon fans. Paul Miller has taken uh, 2-1 to the Toon. Um, as always, Paul, it's a pleasure to have you uh, on the podcast. It's great to see you. And uh, we look forward to touching base uh, really soon. Well, I hope so at all. And just one other thing, we just we as a Spurs fans, we don't want the Gooners to win the league. That- <laughs> They've got to come to they, Newcastle. They, they got cannot win the league because then you know it'll be just that'll be our summer's destroyed. 
that that'll be your that'll be your holiday season over. But they do like last season, Paul. They do have to come to St James's, and I guarantee after Mikhail Elteta's comments about the tune and their dark arts, they won't be looking forward to that one because the tune will be well up for the Gunners at uh, at St James's Park. So look forward to that one. Hopefully, um, great to see you, Paul, and thanks a lot for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. It was great. Thanks. Ali, the fantastic Paul Miller there. People forget as well just how decorated he is. UEFA Cup winner as well in that famous UEFA Cup. And of course, when you speak about Spurs players, Ali, you tend to think of the FA Cup, don't you? Um, two FA Cups to his name as well. Great. What a career he had. Yeah, Pete, I, I, uh, I grew up watching those. Uh, I was uh, quite young watching those um, early 80s cup finals against Tottenham, obviously with a, with a very famous goal by Eric Villa, and then the, the following year uh, against QPR. And I do remember uh, that Tottenham team quite well, you know, some great players, obviously Glenn Hoddle, uh, Mickey Hazard, um, yeah. you know, Archibald and Crooks up front. I remember that team quite well. And I do remember them of winning the uh, UEFA Cup in 84. Fantastic. Um, that. Yeah, I remember that. And... Um, he was Paul Miller's um, defensive partner. Graham Roberts was called, I think, in, in at, at uh, that's right, yeah, at White, at White Hart Lane, and then it went to penalties. I, I remember those days quite well. Uh, yeah, great Tottenham team. And our, to and our dear friend, you speak, you spoke about the cup final there, the Ricky Villa final. Our dear friend Keith Hackett was officiating that day, and he said ah, he, could, okay. he stood on, he stood behind. Ricky Villa just admired the goal as <laughs> it went in. Good old I, I, I'll say I, I'll say one thing about this, uh, Pete. You know uh, that match, uh, which always Tottenham won three two, had in the first half one of the best cup final goals I've ever seen by Steve McKenzie, the volley. You know, and got yeah. completely for, got completely forgotten because of Ricky Villa's goals, and obviously City lost. But uh, I always remember that was a fantastic goal, which unfairly overlooked, I think, over the years. Such as football, uh, unbelievably that how many times that happens. Listen, let's get back to to, to Sunday's huge game. Uh, I'm calling it the Champions League face-off. I'm going to ask you again. It's at St James's. It's on that. As we said last time out, we said that the two love a Super Sunday. They love playing in front of the cameras. How big is the twelfth man going to be yet again at St James's Park this weekend? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be massive because. We're getting to the point now where every game is probably the biggest of the season. You know, if, if you're thinking towards, uh, you know, the, the the race towards the Champions League places. Uh, when the cup final came around, when the Carabao Cup final came around, we were like, this is the biggest game in years, of course. But, you know, we did say on this podcast, you know, like it should not really derail uh, or uh, detract from uh, uh, the league campaign. Because yeah. everyone was go, because everyone was saying, you know, you, would you rather win the cup? Would you rather finish top four and all that? And I kept saying, I, I don't think this is a question for Eddie Howe. Maybe it's a bit of fun for the fans to say, yeah, we'd rather a cup, you know, because it's been so long. And I agree with that. But certainly for people at the club and for Eddie Howe, you know, they would not entertain such questions because even if you'd won it, you know, like you know, in a few weeks you're back to the. To the grind of the uh, uh, the Premier League, absolutely. And if you and if you don't make the Champions League, regardless of what's happened before, it's going to be disappointing. You know, um, it's a bit like Arsenal. You know, we mentioned Arsenal. I mean, you know, at the start of the season, 
if somebody said you'd finish second, they would have taken that, you know. But if they don't win the league now, they, they, there's there's going to be an inevitable sense of disappointment. So, so Newcastle are, are in that position at the moment. They're in a very good position despite the loss to Villa. And I think, I think uh, you know, you can make a case and say this is the biggest game of the season, you know, uh, for Newcastle as it stands. Interesting. And so, in that. In, in, in that sense, and that will transmit to the fans. You know, the fans will know that. I think they they'll show up that day knowing a win here. As you mentioned earlier, could really you know give them momentum to to go on and secure that place, get them over the line. Interesting that we said on this podcast a while back about uh, and and I mentioned in Arsenal as well. Coming so far, you would be disappointed, and it's it's broached a big a big argument or discussion, shall we say, amongst our media colleagues on the TV in the last week, where one Gary Neville says they've got nothing to be disappointed about finishing yeah. second. Roy Keane said rubbish. Uh, yeah. I'm firmly in Roy Keane's camp because you're there. 100%. You're, in, you're in pole position. So it Absolutely. is going to be disappointing, even if you're, you're not going to go, oh, well, you know, it's City. What do you expect? I'm happy we finish second. No fans are going to say that, right? No, absolutely. 100% correct there, Pete. And, uh, and you know, Roy Keane spot on in this case because, you know, you don't, you know, your feelings and your reactions to whatever happens are not to what was expected at the beginning of season. It is to where you are at the moment. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, Newcastle would have said, yeah, you know, any, you know, European place would have been great, you know. Arsenal would have said finishing second or top four would be amazing, you know. But having got yourself in a situation to, to finish in the top four, having got yourself in a situation to win the league. You're there now. It, it does, you're there, you know, you're there, you know. You don't, you know, you, you don't backtrack your feelings or your emotions to the start of the season. It is what you feel at, uh, it is what is happening at the moment. And uh, yeah, I think they're in kind of similar positions. I think uh, uh, in terms of like, expectations change during the season. You know, the, you, know you set yeah. yourself a sort of a, a bare minimum or something you'd be happy with, but these things change, you know, and once they change, you can't really roll them back and say, right, you know, you know we'll be happy with, uh, with finishing second. So for Arsenal, I think it'll definitely be disappointing if they don't win the league. Uh, for Newcastle, similarly, I think if they don't totally. make the Champions League now, yeah. I, I'm in that camp. Yeah. I put my hand up now and say that I'd be disappointed if Newcastle don't qualify for the Champions yeah. League. There, it's on record. Listen, uh, two parts to our last little segment, because last word, as always, goes to our sports editor. So, part A, where's the game won and lost on Sunday? And, of course, part B, your prediction. Um, I think, just looking at the at the Hela game, Newcastle would really want to be a little bit tighter at the back, you know, right from the start. I think, you know, we're... Uh, and being at home, we would expect Newcastle to do what Villa did, you know, like really be on the front foot from the start. You know, it, you know, it it, it was um, watching that game. It was almost like a reversal of what Newcastle it was, had been it was doing. Odd to watch, yeah, because we we've, we've kind of gotten used to Newcastle over the last few weeks or over this season. You know, where especially at home, they're really on the front foot and quite tight. You know, keeping it tight at the back. You know, so I think the first thing would be uh, make sure ensure that. Uh, um, you don't concede in the way they, uh, they they did against Villa, and possibly a change or two, as you mentioned. I, I don't think he'll make too too many changes. You know, he, he wouldn't want to change like half of his back four um, for such an important game. But possibly at left back, uh, Matt Target can come in. So I think in defence. But really, again, uh, if Newcastle sort of play to any sort of level that they've uh, reached in over the last 
four or five weeks, then you'd expect uh, Alexander Isaac and, and Callum Wilson to really deliver the goods. You know, I think uh, both are on good form. And that's, I think, that could be the decisive factor. You know, uh, if I had to cho- choose one player, I'd keep an eye on uh, Isaac. One player doesn't make a difference, but a, a, a big loss last weekend uh, was was Sean Longstaff. I thought that the, the midfield was overrun, leading to that yeah. pressure on, on the defence, Ali. But I tend to agree with you. A flying start, a Sunday atmosphere like no other at St. James's could just be enough to see the lads over the line. And uh, you taking the home win? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for a Newcastle win. I think they win 2-0. 2-0 uh, and a welcome clean sheet from our sports editor, Ali Khaled. Massive thanks to Paul Miller for joining us today. Another brilliant episode. We'll see you next week on Black and White with Arab News. How are the lads? 